0: Hello. Hello.
1: Hello, and welcome to Grace Online.
0: We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. But as you're at the Gospel of John, chapter 10, I want you to look for verse 11. Because today we're returning to a conversation that emerges from a conflict, a conflict between Jesus and the religious authorities, a conflict that took place back in chapter 9 as Jesus, if you don't remember, healed a man born blind, restoring not only his physical sight, but also giving this man spiritual insight to recognize who he is. And the religious leaders, on the other hand, in this encounter, refused to see They're unwilling to recognize who Jesus is. And so in anger and frustration at what has happened, this incredible, wonderful miracle, they cast this healed man out of the faith community. They excommunicate him. But Jesus finds him at the end of chapter 9 and receives this man as one of his own. And then when we get to chapter 10, in a rebuke seeking to illustrate the heart of the conflict between them, Jesus presents himself first as the gateway To those who are seeking life and healing and freedom, and that's the passage we looked at the last time we were here with Pastor Drew before he departed to Illinois. Jesus presents himself as the gateway in contrast to the religious leaders who presume to act like gatekeepers and in so doing steal away what God seeks to provide and thus bring harm to those they're actually supposed to serve. And so this morning, we're going to continue that conversation, that rebuke, if you will, that contrast, as Jesus continues to distinguish himself from others, from these religious hypocrites, as he now exercises another powerful image to describe who he is and how he works in our lives. Some of the earliest images of Jesus found in churches and tombs were not portrayals of Jesus on the cross or Jesus as the infant in the manger. They, in fact, were pictures of one of the more common ways Jesus describes himself, of how Jesus frames himself here as a shepherd. If you have those Bibles open, let's hear from the Gospel of John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I received from my father. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we dive into this passage, this image of Jesus as the good shepherd, now you need to reverse that title. It's not just sheep, but shepherds too. Opposite, strike that, reverse it. But I'd like to introduce our speaker today, one of our elders, member of our community for some time, and someone who did this as an act of faith So be gentle as he comes forward. Uh, The one and only, and a dear friend as well as an elder, Brian Hopman. Could you put your hands together and welcome him up here? Asking people to do this, everyone feels like they're getting called into the <coughs> principal's office, It's really, it's, it's, but it's, it's, not li- it's not like that at all. So uh, again, everybody, we've been doing this message around three questions, and the first question that we, that we wrestle with, which kind of preps us to come in today, is what I've called before the ha, huh, what question. The, it's, it's about when we just listen to the word, when we try to receive and understand what's there, and it's asking the person who's dialogue, dialoguing with me, what question do you have to help you better understand this passage? And Brian's question, um, he actually got to manage to sneak in two questions, so we're going to honor that. Um, he, he Looking at this, if you remember, and tell me if I get this wrong, you asked, you know, why does Jesus go from talking about himself as the gate to then declaring himself to be the shepherd, and specifically the good shepherd? That was the first question. And then within that, Brian also kind of, like I said, snuck in another question, which was this implication in the passage, are there other shepherds? Am I right? Okay, so as we talked about, I'm going to recap what we discussed. And in fact, um, there's so much here, we're probably not going to be able to share it all because I normally meet once. Brian and I met twice to talk about this. Um, Brian was (laughs) like, we're going to need to talk about this again. And I'm like, that's fantastic. So we've talked about this a lot. So it's going to be really tough for us to condense a lot of the things that came out. But let me just quickly address that question. And. And really the way I think to understand how Jesus goes from talking about the door to talking about being the door or the gate to being the shepherd is Jesus is using the same image and if you don't remember when Pastor Drew was here shepherds back in the time of Jesus were actually the literal physical gate the sheep pen itself didn't have a door the shepherd was the door, they slept there they guarded that space so what Jesus is really doing as he transitions to this image is he's making explicit what he's trying to talk about What make explicit what he's only been being implicit about, meaning he's been a little bit more coy in talking about himself as the gate. And now he's just coming right out and saying, I'm the shepherd. And the shepherd as the gate emphasizes, I think the biggest thing that Jesus wants to talk about here, which is where the two images come together, is that the job description of a shepherd was protection, protection, protection. And and when Brian and I were talking, it's helpful to remember that there's a there needs to be a little bit of a breakdown of the stereotype that we have of shepherds, especially in light of this passage, versus the reality of what Jesus is talking about. I mean, even if you go into our Hope Hall, uh, there's a big picture of Jesus as the shepherd, and which Jesus is very sentimental and cuddly, and it's you know it's like it's it's like stuffed animal Jesus, you know, you can hold him and hug him, and the reality is is that shepherds were not cuddly and warm and you could hug them. It's not to say they weren't warm people. It's we, we, when we kind of idealize the, this view of the shepherd, we miss that a typical shepherd was more of a rough and tumble kind of a person because being a shepherd wasn't an easy job. Um, shepherds had to know the lay of the land. They had to have some knowledge of where to find suitable pasture, places with adequate food and water. They had to know their sheep, something that Jesus talks about in this passage. They had to learn their sheep, know how much their sheep could take, when they needed to rest, when they needed to be encouraged, but they also needed to help the sheep learn their voice. And this idea of when Jesus talks about my sheep, know my voice, it's not knowledge the way we think of it. It's more relational knowledge. It's this understanding, knowing that comes by experience, by being present and spending time together. But all this comes together to say that the shepherd's job was a tough job because the shepherd's preoccupation is the continuous well-being of his or her sheep. And that preoccupation came with some hazard, came with some risk. The job description of a shepherd was to protect and serve. And it came with some risk because what was right from the outset, understanding if you're a shepherd, is that you are subjecting yourself to the threat of wild animals, thieves and robbers like Jesus talks about. It's this vocation, in other words, that's lived in tension between doing your most for the sheep and yet at the same time exposing yourself to the kind of dangers that could get you killed. And it's this is the image that Jesus wants. It's not cuddly, it's more fierce, protective. It's more willing to stand in the line of fire. And Jesus doesn't just say he's a shepherd. Brian asked about this. He said, "I am the good shepherd." And when we hear that adjective good, Brian and I talked about this. We think again back to that picture of Jesus as the kind shepherd, you know, the nurturing shepherd. Or we might be tempted to think when we hear Jesus say he's the good shepherd as being the moral shepherd. You know, he's so virtuous in his behavior. But The root meaning of this word good that's good in Greek, it's a word kalos, is actually it means excellent, it means honorable, it means commendable, it means noble. And Jesus sort of points us to this understanding of what good means when he contrasts himself with everyone else, right? Because Jesus first contrasts himself where he's the good shepherd, he's not like the thieves and robbers who come to steal, kill, and destroy. That one we get, you know, that's obvious, either you're here to hurt me or you're here to help me. But Jesus contrasts with a second group, too, and that's really what comes out in this passage, not against, he contrasts himself, not just against obvious evil, but Jesus contrasts himself against even the best hired hands, right? And hired hands, let's be clear, hired hands are not like the thieves and the robbers. They're not bad people, per se. Hired hands are present to make a day's wages. Hired hands are driven by self-interest. Their interest in the sheep is simply work-related, being compensated for their time caring for them. And They're not bad people per se, but they're in it for the job. And that's why Jesus says that the first sign of trouble, hired hands, when there's trouble that could potentially threaten them, the hired hands will have a tendency to walk off the job, to abandon the sheep because they value their own lives over the lives of the sheep. We might say, I don't get paid enough for this, right? I don't get paid enough for this. And Jesus contrasts himself even with this group to say the shepherd lays down his or her life for the sheep because that's the job description to protect and serve. Trouble, again, is anticipated. The interest, the well-being of the sheep, not the shepherd's self-interest, is what drives the posture and actions of the shepherd. The well-being of the sheep is what drives the interest of the shepherd. And so when Jesus says he's the good shepherd, he's saying he's the genuine article. He's the most excellent, the true shepherd. Because Jesus is basically saying he not only wants, but he works for the best for his sheep, even being willing to lay down his life for us all. A little quick thing to hold on to, we're going to come back later, is understand how goodness is defined by Jesus here. And it's echoed elsewhere in Scripture. Goodness is the willingness to lay down one's life for others so that they may live. The supreme manifestation of love, of goodness, is being willing to lay down your life for another. And that, if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense what Jesus is saying here. Intuitively, that may not be how we describe goodness or love, but that's... That is internally, instinctively, our highest standard of devotion, right? We all hope and pray that someone has our back. If we go through the fire, we want to know that someone will stand with us, will stand behind us. Well, Jesus, again, in saying I am the good shepherd, is saying I'm the noble shepherd. I don't just have your back. I've got your front. I don't just stand with you. I go before you. Anyone who tries to get to you has to come through me. But the other thing that Brian asked about, not just the the good part, but the the part. <laughs> you notice that Jesus uses the definite, definitive article here, the definite article. He doesn't say, I am a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And one way to understand the the being used here is to recognize Jesus is making a startling statement. Probably those who heard him were a little taken back when he said, he's the good shepherd. Because after all, everyone who's there knows who the good shepherd is, and that's God. We talked about Psalm twenty-three when Pastor Drew was here. The Old Testament scriptures are filled with images of God being the shepherd, the shepherd of Israel, and by extension the shepherd of the world. So Jesus is in in a subtle way declaring, I am the shepherd. But the singularity of Jesus' declaration, Brian and I talked about this too, goes deeper than just simply saying, I am God. Jesus is not just declaring he's the best or model shepherd. Jesus isn't just saying he's one among many or the first among among equals. When Jesus says he is the good shepherd, Jesus is declaring himself to be the definite article. He's declaring himself to be what no one else, what nothing else is. Because in the giving of his life, Jesus does something for the community that no one else has ever done. Remember when Drew was here, we talked about how Ezekiel 34 is this prophecy against the, the leaders of Israel who were considered to be shepherds, who were bad shepherds? Jesus does what no one else before has done. The leaders before, past leaders, avoided suffering for their community. Instead of giving them life, they actually took it away from them. But Jesus declares he comes to give life through the giving of his own life. And also, as we heard, Jesus doesn't do this as a victim he does it as a willing, voluntary sacrifice. No one takes my life from me, Jesus says. I lay it down of my own accord. Now, when Brian and I were talking, I just want to bring you in on this. There's a little bit of a tension here, right? Um, if a shepherd's preoccupation is the protection of the sheep, a dead shepherd can't protect the sheep. But th- when Jesus says that, hey, I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. Any other shepherd, that would be a problem because, well, that's great. You laid down your life, but now the sheep are exposed. But Jesus says this so boldly because it points to the uniqueness of who Jesus is as the good shepherd. Because whereas death threatens the world, whereas death threatens all of us, everyone, only Jesus' death brings life. That's why Jesus says, I laid down my life, and then he adds, to take it up again. What I'm drawing out for you is what makes Jesus distinctive and unique is when Jesus says he is the good shepherd, Jesus is saying death for him, laying down his life is not an end of itself. Resurrection is not an afterthought. Jesus doesn't die on the cross and God goes, "Well, that didn't work. We got to try something else." Death was always part of the plan because resurrection was what was going to come next. Another way to say this is Jesus died in order to rise. Jesus died so that we would rise. We could rise. Jesus goes through the fire. Jesus pays the price. Jesus faces the wolves. The thief that is death so that we don't have to. Jesus lays down his life. No one takes it from him. He lays down his life so that we don't just survive, we thrive. And that leads to that second question Brian asked. Are there other shepherds? And this is why the sermon title is so important. In the Old Testament, God is the good shepherd. God is the shepherd. But in the Old Testament, God continually says that those who he he calls to follow him, they are also to be shepherds like him. Think of Moses passing the baton to Joshua. Back to Ezekiel 34, how he critiques those who are the religious leaders. The point is there are other shepherds because recognizing Jesus as our good shepherd is more than an affirmation of who Jesus is, more than a declaration about Jesus's identity. It's also an affirmation about what it looks like to follow Jesus, how we exercise our faith. We are not just sheep. In Christ, we are shepherds too. And the reason why, when I prayed about this, and I prayed about who to ask to be in dialogue about these different passages, and I wasn't, Brian, I had another passage, I shared this with Brian in mind for Brian, but God kept putting Brian Hopman on my heart for this passage. And based on what I've said, maybe you can figure out why, because I didn't at first. Because if the job description of a shepherd is to protect and serve, if you know anything about Brian's former life before he retired, he was a police officer in Long Beach. And so if there's anyone who can relate to what Jesus is really talking about here, it's a man for, who for several years, decades, put his life on the line to protect and serve others. And so I shared that with Brian. This is why I wanted, wanted to talk to you about this passage. And so I, we, this is what we all di- We talked about. All these things are things we shared. From chewing on that, the next question we always talk about in this message is, well, so what? How does what we talked about, when you reflect on it, what connections did you make? What insights did you come come back with when you think about this, just in general, but even in terms of your career as a police officer?
1: Well, there were were several. Um, We talked at length um, kind of about... Yeah, Jesus is the good shepherd. He was called here. He was placed here by the Father, uh, being one and the same. And I reflected back to a sermon that was done many years ago by John Alexanian um, that I've reflected on several times at my good friend Duncan's expense uh, in comparing a calling to a job. Uh... And we talked about the, the hired hand, the comparison of the, ha- the hired hand to the shepherd. And as you said, we talked about that the hired hand isn't a bad person. They're out there, they wanna do the, they wanna do the job, they wanna see the sheep tended to. The difference is the willingness to stay and to stand. Uh, in line of somebody else for their betterment and one of the things i came up with actually just this morning in, tr- in trying to to dig through because we talked at, at length like, different well we talked more than just the twice um about what a calling looks like compared to just the job and it's not that the person that's fulfilling the job is doing a uh, is doing a bad job of it it's what I came up with to best describe it, and i I sat and wrote a bunch of examples of what I thought somebody that was called because you asked me what what would somebody look like that was called to be a policeman? Mm-hmm. And I sat and I thought, well, because it was and as we talked about it it was. Uh, it, it could have been after I retired, but I, I, probably before that, where I, I thought, I, I was called to be here. This isn't, it wasn't by chance. It wasn't, and it wasn't something that when I was a kid, I said, when I get older, this is what I'm going to be. It was a decision later in life. And so it wasn't like I was listening to God's voice, following God's voice. It was. It was well into it where, the way I did my job, the commitment I felt to the community I was serving, um, the things I was willing to do, um, the situations that I got involved in, um, I, I was here for a reason. The, the, the people whose lives I was able to touch in one way or another, um, it, was, it was afterwards where I thought I, I was called to do this And what I came across this morning um, in thought was passion versus compassion. Mm. And when I was looking at the difference, the one that that, that best fit it for me was that passion, they're doing the job passionately, but it prompts us to make ourselves happy. If we're fulfilling a passion, it's something we're doing for ourselves and in compassion it prompts us to make others happy something that we're doing for somebody else for for the betterment of of someone else and it's and you have to make decisions i mean i that that all seem right at the time and i thought about different examples of different
0: things um one of the things i asked you that i think would be interesting to talk about just briefly is Do you think being a police officer can just be a job? Absolutely. Do you think that you can do a good job as a police officer if it's just a job? Yes. Do you think you can do a better job if it's a calling? Yes. Why? I think it's the the
1: attitude with which you approach it. Mm. Um, My notes jump from page to page and back and forth. That's fine. because I think of things, as we discussed, some of my most brilliant thoughts were either while I was driving or in the shower where I didn't have a pencil to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing, because this could go on for hours. Um, but, but in the different, and it was, it was, it had some to do with actions and some to do with just the way it was done, but I, I think a calling is a feeling that generates actions so i think to if all you're doing is just the job you go in you handle a b and c and then you walk out in a when you're more committed to that or or called um i I think you you'll look more at the effects, how is this going to affect um, those, you, you walk into a domestic violence situation and somebody's been injured and you arrest the other person. Well, maybe you're arresting the person that's the breadwinner, so now the family, you've, you've taken this action based on what you're there to do, but now the person that's supposed to be going to work to make the money isn't gonna be there. Mm. And you have to think, I mean, you, you think. I, I thought about that. Or you're arresting the other person, which is the, the caregiver for the children, so now the next day the person has to, the breadwinner can't go to work because he has to take care of the children because you've removed the caregiver from the home. Um, and, I, and I think if it's just a job, you just go do it. and if it's a calling, if there's some compassion, you, 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 you tend to think more about how. You get it done.
0: And in your experience, I mean, that's a, I really appreciate that, because I think sometimes, even outside of poli- anything, any, sometimes in anything that we do, we can kind of fall back on, I'm just doing my job. Or, I'm just doing my job. And what you're describing, I like that distinction between passion and compassion, is when we recognize that that can be sort of a boundary that we set and not and, as an ability not to have to go beyond that. Did you ever find yourself as a police officer, because that was your vocation, your job, of basically finding yourself pushed, To go beyond well i'm just doing my job to go above and beyond because to me that sounds like a calling at times when you don't just fall back on hey i clock out at five sorry or hey this is these are the parameters of what i'm called to do and i've done i've done my job but to say yeah but i recognize i'm called to more than than just the job does that do you relate to that at all yes did you have moments like that where Because the thing that just really strikes me about this passage is Jesus is doing two things, as we talked about. He's presenting himself first, our understanding of him. Jesus isn't just doing a job for us. Jesus isn't just, well, my dad told me to. You know, I'm sent down here because i got to clean up your mess. Jesus, in laying down his life, is saying, this is what I was called to do. This is what I was born to do. And I'm going to give everything, my entire life, for the sake of of your reclamation, our reclamation, our, resur- our resurrection. But the powerful thing about that is Jesus says, that's who God is, that's who I am. When you recognize that's the kind of God you worship and serve, if you say, you follow, you work for that God, then how can you do any less? That's when he's rebuking the religious leaders. The religious leaders are saying, hey, just doing our job. And Jesus says, you're hiding behind the job and you're hiding behind the job instead of embracing the calling. Who have you been called to be? Who have you been called to become? You've created a job description. You've created a, these are the parameters that we're supposed to do as the religi- religious leaders. We're supposed to make sure things are decent and in order. And Jesus says, where's the compassion? Pa- Isn't it interesting? I love the, compa- the thing that Brian has said here about passion and compassion. Because one thing we could say about the religious leaders that Jesus interacts with is they're very passionate, aren't they? Very passionate but they're not very compassionate. And back to what you said, I like that, is that passion is driven more by their own interest, whereas compassion is driven by the interest for the other. When we look at Jesus, we see both. Jesus has passion, but that passion comes out of his compassion for others. It's not an either or. The two should be complementary to each other. Um, You know, when you talk about that, I mean, just to take this outside of the police force, when we think about our own lives, think about how often we talk about our job, but a job is different than a calling, right? A job is an agreed upon service we perform. It's something we often get paid to do. We work a job for ourselves, right? For our career, our success, our retirement. A job, it's not always the case, but a job, at its most base level, level, is not necessarily about the people we serve. It's about our career. It's about our success. It's about our retirement. And a calling is different. A calling is something that we've been called and equipped by God to do. You know, I like how Brian said talked about becoming a police officer. I didn't, I wasn't, didn't say, oh, when I get older, this is what I want to do. And it was this awareness, maybe not even at first, this is what I was called to do. This is what I was born to do and living into that. A calling is another word for calling, by the way, is vocation. You may know this. The Greek, the, I think it's Latin, sorry, vo- vocato, vocatio, excuse me, is the where the word call, it means call. Vocation is about calling versus a profession, which is a job. And our calling is our vocation. Our calling in life, doesn't, and our calling and our job aren't always the same. Sometimes they are, but not always. Our calling is the specific and unique way the Lord directs us to live out the gospel and reflect his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And the difference between a job that you have or a profession that you have is our, we fulfill our calling not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. By the way, another word for calling is our ministry, our service to others in the name of Jesus. And that's a really important point to bring out because I don't know about you, but I grew up all my life thinking the ministry, my ministry was what I did for the church. What's my ministry in the church? But our ministry, our calling, is not limited to the community of the church. Our ministry is how we reflect we are the church, that we are the body of Christ. And some of you maybe can relate to this, but when ministry becomes a job, and there are some people who I heard some murmuring, when ministry becomes a job, we become hired hands. When ministry becomes a job, we focus on our recognition, our work, does anyone see what we're doing here? The time we're putting in, how much we're doing, we focus on our availability. I'm sorry, I'm not able to serve because I'm just not available right now. But when ministry becomes a calling, not just in the, body, in the church but out there, we become shepherds. When ministry becomes a calling, we focus not on the work we're doing, not on the recognition we get, not on our availability. We focus on caring for others. We focus on protecting them. We focus on even giving our lives for the sake of someone else's well-being. And it sounds like for you that it wasn't initially, but along the way you realized being a police officer wasn't just a job, but it was a calling. Yes. Do Do you remember that kind of switch for you, or was it gradual when...
1: I don't think it was a, well, even kind of like I alluded, I don't know if it was after I retired or at some point during yeah. my career or just, you know, at the end of one shift where I just went home with a really good feeling about what I had done where I just like, this is, this, what I'm doing is more than just earning a paycheck. What I'm There's a reason I'm here. I mean, after 30 years, I did a lot of different things in a lot of different places, and it's hard to, to put a specific finger on which one um, mm. uh, I, mean, I mean, I remember being thanked by somebody that I was putting in jail, and I was like, "Where does that come from?" I've just altered somebody's course, mm. but did it in such a way that they said, "Thanks, thanks, thanks for for what you did or how you did it." You know, it wasn't just a throw handcuffs on and you're going because you did something, it, apparently somewhere in the way I treated him along the way. Thank you. Mm. Um, and that's when it made me, you know, those types of situations where it just made me feel, I, I'm, this is more than, this is bigger than just me. It, mm. It's, a, it's a, i I'm, I'm here for a reason. Doing your part in something bigger,
0: yeah. One of the other things we talked about that I also want to just ask you about is, you know, the, as we tried to establish Jesus presenting himself as the good shepherd, as as the shepherd, it has this idea of protecting and serving. From your having been in a in a in a in a calling that is very similar to what Jesus describes here, how does this how does does this enable you to look at Jesus differently? Does that make sense? Do you suddenly understand? you understand christ differently now when you recognize you've kind of walked in a in the bit of the shoes of a shepherd you know in in the as a police officer does that affect how you see jesus um
1: it it does it's it's odd i know what he did i mean i've i've i was raised in the church a believer for years and and all that, and it's always you know it's even just the way you worded that makes it a little uneasy mm. because it's like I've just walked where Christ did, and it's like, oh God, no, there's mm. nothing close to that mm. um while at the same time, you know the being willing to put others first, and the you know I never we talked about um, what it was like you know to go to work every night knowing you know that bad things could happen and that i may not go home and like to I said i i never thought of that i'm sure dory did but I, at night i was just I, I was going to do what i what i loved to do um, I mean, one of the things I wrote in my notes was I was willing to do it for free. I mean, I, it, it wasn't. Mm. It was. It was more than just make money. I felt that I was given an opportunity, more than earned the right, or or anything else. You know, I I did what I needed to do, and I earned this job. I felt like I was given an opportunity. To go out and serve the community and I happened to I was born and raised in Long Beach I worked retired still live in Long Beach I can't get out of Long Beach um, <laughs> but there was a so there was just that extra commitment to the community but I, I mean that commitment whether it's the, where you live or not I mean the, the commitment to the community I think is is huge and that, to look at, at Christ differently just I mean i you know, my my little corner of the world is world. Mm. Um, you know, the good shepherd to us all, mm. not not just a little a little
0: neighborhood in the city. What you're reflecting back, though, I think is so so powerful because it's it's and I, I don't want things that you said are touching the heart of Jesus. I mean, touching. It's truly this is what following Jesus looks like. I mean, what you know if we. Th- when you talked about this idea of when I asked you how did you go out every day and know that you you know you could be walking in it? you may not come home at night and you said I didn't really think about it I thought more about the joy of getting to do what I do. And if you think about Jesus, did Jesus know? I mean he and seems to be he seems to have known that this was ultimately going to lead to the cross. Did Jesus get up every day and go I got this many days left? No, the sense that you get is Jesus did not think about the cross. That did not overshadow. He wanted to go out and do what he was doing for the sake, for our sake. And then something else that you talked about, of the willingness that you, don't, you knew it was a calling because you would be willing to do it for free. And I think it's so important how Jesus emphasizes the fact that he lays down his life, but he makes it really clear, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord, which to me is, I would, no, I'm not getting paid for this, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not doing this because there's some... I'm, I, I do it. I choose to do it. I would do it for free. And, you know, one of the takeaways from this passage that, as we transition to the third question, is, and back to the sermon title, we're not just sheep. I think many of us operate like we're just sheep. But one of the things that comes out of this, which is the basis of the rebuke, is if we are sheep who are part of Jesus' flock, we're called to be shepherds too. And one of the things you should take away from this, we should take away from this, as Jesus willingly lays down his life as directed by the Father. The Father directs him to lay down his life and he willingly does it. And he does it trusting that his life will not be lost but will be given back. That its death is not going to be the end but there will be resurrection. When we follow Jesus, we are called to lay down our lives for the sake of others, trusting that whatever we give up will not be lost but will be given back. And this this laying down one's life just to be clear laying down one's life we talk about this a lot dying to ourselves in the Christian faith it's not about martyrdom Jesus wasn't a martyr laying down one's life is not martyrdom what do i mean by that the shepherd what i mean by that doesn't throw him or herself from a cliff and say look how much i love you sheep and for many of us, when we hear laying down our lives, this is a twisted view we get in the church and we go, look at all I've done for you. This is how much I love you, Lord. This is how much I love you, people. But laying down your life is not martyrdom. It's not throwing yourself off a cliff and saying, look at how much I love you. Laying down your life like Jesus is being a shepherd and shepherds act in defense of the sheep before any mortal danger. They seek to save the sheep by his or her death. They don't, look for, they don't go out looking to throw themselves off a cliff. But they're willing to do, go off that cliff if it's going to save the life of another person. And so the third question is kind of what do we do with this? It's kind of the now what? How do we apply this and exercise this insight? And I asked you a very specific question to kind of help us to think about this in our own way. I said, for you as a police officer, because again, you're engaging, you alluded to this, you know, with the community. What would you say? Because I mean, one thing we could step away from this and go is, well, there's Jesus who was the shepherd, and then there are police officers. Thank God I'm not a police officer. But if you understand, you we each have a calling. We each are called to be shepherds in that calling. And so what I asked you is, what would you say, reflecting back on your experience, to a community of how to be a good shepherd in your community? Does that make sense? Rather than just to be a sheep. <laughs> it does. It. it. It does make sense and i I
1: thought about it both as far as now being happily retired um, and just a, a member of that community uh, and what does it look like for me and and it 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 starts at home i I, I think it starts. It starts at home and just how involved you are with your own family. Uh, And then it goes out from there into the community. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. How well do you know your neighbors? Dorian and I talked about it this morning. lived in my neighborhood almost 37 years. There's some I know real well. There's others I wave to. There's others I don't know at all. Um, And and that was a you know, one of those hard pills to swallow where I said, so I'm supposed to come sit up here and talk about what it looks like. So I should be that good example. And I realized that I'm a, I'm a little short. Um, We're all works in progress. Absolutely. Thank God. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. Knowing just that going back to the basics. The willingness to do something for somebody uh, even at an inconvenience to yourself because it's better for them, it helps somebody in some way, and not, uh, not because of the recognition or the acknowledgement that you get for doing it, Just a bit, for lack of a better word, just because it's the right thing to do.
0: Something you said that I really wanna key in on, that Jesus keys in on talking about himself, but again, if we're called to follow Jesus and become, we're not the good shepherd, but we're shepherds, we reflect the good shepherd, we're shepherds in our own way. Jesus talks about this idea of listening, you know, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. And to kind of t- to build on something you said, do you, think, do you think sometimes as neighbors we don't recognize the flock that we're a part of? That part of it is, like you said, knowing your neighbor, but it's also about listening. Do you think sometimes, I mean, do, would you, I feel like we don't, sometimes we choose not to see, we choose not to listen in terms of what's going on. Do you think if we were listening more to what's happening in our neighborhoods that would make a difference too? Absolutely. Uh, again, classic example, my own, my own neighborhood.
1: Um, I've got six and a half foot walls all around my backyard and that's where when I want to go sit and enjoy an afternoon, that's where I sit. Neighbors down the street rebuilt their front porch, put bar stools and Adirondack chairs, and in the afternoon that's where they sit. And I was down talking with them one day and they said, I want to know, how do you know who doesn't belong if you know if you don't know who does? How can you As far as the the wolf, how do you know who the wolves are if you don't know who the sheep are? Um, And that that was an eye-opener for me. And I'm thinking, here I am hiding in my backyard. Um, But just, there's, you have to be involved. You have to to listen. You have to be willing to listen. Um, One of, kind of unrelated, but something that i've i've lived around is it was a dedication on an album and that's how old it is it was an album Uh, (laughs) and and the dedication on it was there are those who listen and there's those who are waiting to speak Mm. and you can tell when you're talking to somebody if they're listening to you or if they're just they're waiting for you to take a breath so they can jump in on you. you have to be willing to listen uh, and they this, uh, this said this album is dedicated to the listeners, um, and that was I just always stuck with me and struck uh, struck. Me. And when you talked about the the shepherds and how we're called to be shepherds while we're sheep at the same time, and one of the other notes that I hit on just this morning, because when we talked about the good shepherd, he is not the shepherd, not as the as in the only one. There needs to be more those sheep that are running around that. He doesn't yet know, need to be being cared for by somebody, and that's us. Um, so there are other shepherds, and I have parentheses us, and I have to help gather those other sheep so that they too can hear his voice. With my little side note of not rogue shepherds, but sheep as shepherds. We're, we're, we're still. Jesus' sheep acting as a shepherd following his voice.
0: Well, and Jesus models that here too. He articulates that too. We lead by first following. And notice in this passage, Jesus makes it clear. He leads as the good shepherd by first following. Notice how he underscores, and he does this elsewhere, that what he does, he does because that's the way his father directs him. And so that's a great, such a great point. We, we, you know, we either stay sheep or we assert ourselves as shepherds, but it's the two go together. It's out of recognizing that we are sheep and that we belong to the good shepherd that we shepherd others. It's when we, we get into trouble when we separate the two. I'm just a sheep. I have no, I have no, I'm just, you know, milling around, eating grass, biding my time in the pen. I I got no responsibilities whatsoever. That's not a calling. That's not what Jesus calls us to. You're not just a sheep. You're a shepherd. Or the other place, go, I'm a shepherd. I'm large and in charge, and I'm doing it for the kingdom of God, and I'm doing it for Jesus. And it's like, yeah, but you're not leading like Jesus. You don't look like the good shepherd. You don't sound like the good shepherd. That's where we get into trouble. You know, as we wrap this up, what I would leave you with and, and for this one is two questions just to chew on, is how are we as individuals and as a community being good shepherds like Jesus instead of hired hands? I'd ask you to honestly look at your life and, and look at the relationships, look at the places in your community, your neighborhood, your families, where you're acting more like a hired hand than you are a shepherd, where you're doing a job because you get paid or because it's gonna get someone off your back We're very clear about these are the parameters of what I do and what I don't do. These are the boundaries. This is I'm off the clock. And ask yourself where maybe God is saying, you're not supposed to be a hired hand here. I'm calling you to be a shepherd. Another way to say this is where in our lives are we letting the Spirit differentiate and inform the differences between the jobs and the callings in our lives? We all have jobs, and not every job is a calling, but we all have a calling, we all have a ministry. God, I can say this with full confidence, God has equipped you and has placed you in situations, communities, relationships where you are called. You have been called. It's you. And God has equipped you for it and saying, if not you, then who? Then who? Brian, thanks for having this conversation with me. I'm going to close this out. Um, and I just want to, again, reiterate just what we've said and then offer a prayer. My friends, the love of Jesus as our Good Shepherd is not some sentimental, warm, fuzzy kind of love. That kind of love is nice. We hear about it all the time, but that kind of love is not compelling. The goodness of Christ is what defines the love we're looking for. It's the kind of love that holds nothing back. It's the kind of love born of unconditional commitment. It's the kind of love we all desperately want. It's the kind of love we all crave, but we cannot find and we cannot have apart from Jesus. Because it's out of this kind of love that Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for us. He doesn't play it safe. He risks it all so we can be secure. And Jesus secures us in that unconditional love, that love that we, in the creed of conviction we proclaim, is stronger than the grave. Jesus secures us in that unconditional love so that we can and we will follow Jesus in serving others, loving them, nurturing them, protecting them, even laying down our lives for their well-being trusting again in this love that's stronger than death that love that death cannot hold trusting that through the valleys that may come trusting that through the shadows that may fall trusting that through even death itself death itself our good shepherd will lead us to dwell in the house the presence of the Lord forever amen, amen. let's pray jesus we thank you for being the good shepherd Our good shepherd, and for laying down your life for us. Help us, O God, to learn and to, to learn to hear and to respond obediently to your voice, to trust that you know better than we do what is best, what is good. Help us to follow your leading, secure in the knowledge that nothing and no one can ever snatch us out of your loving hands. Shepherd and guardian of our lives, enable us to follow you faithfully every day, to abide in you to recognize your leading in direction, and to reflect your truth and love through how we shepherd, how we protect and serve others in your name. And all God's people said, amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.